0: Lord, we do worship you because of who you are. We thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet. Now guide us, anoint us fresh, that we be able to proclaim your word clearly, that the people of God be able to hear, understand, and then apply. So we love you and thank you now and offer ourselves to you in Jesus' name. If I say amen. You should have an outline if you don't ushers would be glad to give you one. Hands are lifted. Amen. Jude 24-25. Jude is one chapter. It's backed by Revelation. Right in front of Revelation there, the book of Jude. Actually a letter he's written to the people of God. Jude. For reading, though, I would read just a few extra verses only because we're going to read verses 1 and 2, 3 and 4, then 20, 22, 23 and 24. So we'll jump over a middle section uh, because it's only because of reference, just in case uh, so you'll be aware. Jude 20, Jude chapter, Jude verse 1. You, the bond servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord, Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 20 and following. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. And lastly, verse 24 and 25, now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory in majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The doxology following a dangerous dilemma. The doxology. Verse 24 and 25 is what we call a doxology. Doxa means glory. It means glorious words, words of glory following a dangerous. We know what dangerous is. And a dilemma is when you have, it's like holding a bull by two horns. If you let go to right, he'll stab you with it. If you let go to left, no matter what you do, it's going to be some pain. And what we find here in this particular uh, letter is that Jude is writing, he is The brother of Jesus, but he doesn't claim that because he doesn't want you to say, I'm a blood brother of Jesus, therefore you ought to listen to me. He says, I'm a servant of God. I'm a servant of Christ, my king. I'm a servant of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He wants to make that distinction there. And what we find is that the church had been experiencing false doctrine, persons who come in and act like they're saved, but they're not really saved. They come in, they look as if they have it, have a relationship with God, but their lifestyle is a little bit different. There are three cycles that he uh, explains in the verses that I did not read. There are three cycles he talks about the sons of Korah, he talks about how they sin, Cain sin. Old Testament references. He makes, uh, he makes a lot of explanations, uh, even examples and illustrations about the judgment of God, about how God is going to come and do exactly what he says. But he's encouraging you and I as children of God to hold on to God, hold on to your faith, Hold on. Even though the world has its own uh, uh, agenda, that they're doing their own thing, don't you be tempted by it. And we find that the church uh, lacks a days in certain areas where we're not living holy. We're talking holy, but we have to make sure we live it. Our character needs to be maintained. Somebody say Amen. We want to make sure that we, as children of God, represent God. And there are some who will come in and, and they'll have a different lifestyle than that which is required by God or expected by God, a holy living. And therefore, their doctrine change and then everything, the standards go down. They become lackadaisical in their lifestyle and everything is okay. Jude is trying to remind them, ladies and gentlemen, That there is a doxology even after this dilemma. You have a choice to make. You're either going to stay with the world or you're going to stay with God. You have to choose ye this day which way that you're going to go. But there's some good news. The doxology, praise to God even in the midst. How many of you have trouble in your life We have situations, circumstances, setups, and we need to understand that God sees you where you are. He said, but even though you have those uh, uh, circumstances in your life, he said, there's still good news at the end. And I just thank God for this particular passage. We usually read it uh, at the conclusion of a service, uh, just the last words as we're on our way out the door. But there are some things I want to lift. And then we will proceed in Jesus' name. The children of God are called of God. That's very special uh, in, in my mind. The children of God are the called of God. You wouldn't be a child of God if he didn't call you. Somebody say amen. You wouldn't be in the in the house of God. You wouldn't have been come out of darkness into the marvelous light. Jude is reminding them that we are children of God and we have been called to that. Whatever you been called to, You've been. we are servants of Jesus Christ. We don't tell Jesus what to do. We are servants of Jesus Christ. And Jude says, I'm a bond servant. And it actually means bond slave. I'm a slave of him. And we don't like to be a slave of nobody. We don't even like that word. But even in those days, a slave was part of the family. A slave was was not being beat, he was not being mangled, no, he was being... Or she was being taken care of. It, what he's saying here is that whatever you say, do, that's what I'm going to do. I didn't believe you at first because Jude wasn't always uh, following Christ. But after the resurrection, he and his other brothers, uh, they, they decided to follow. And God had guided in that way. He's saying that all of us are servants of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but we're sanctified. Hallelujah, that's some good news right there because we are set apart. I said we're set apart. We don't, we, we don't just just participate in the world like everybody else. We are set apart for God's reasons and his purpose. Wherever he places you, that's a uh, responsibility. That's an assignment that you have uh, to do what God has told you. Wherever you work, you prayed for the job. He gave you the job. Your cubicle should be sanctified. Come on, somebody. I'm just talking about wherever you are, the, your vocabulary don't change. When you leave church, it's always the same. So I say, Amen. that's why it's good to not be all, try to be all holy because you can't be the same way when you get to work. Somebody say, Amen. You know, praise God. Hallelujah. You're saying that at church all the time. But when I see you in Kmart, you act like you don't know. Them. So the point is, is that we need to make sure that we have a consistent lifestyle. That's really us. That's really the spirit of God that's in us. Somebody say, Amen. And so he says we are serviced, we are sanctified, and then we are safeguarded, safeguarded by Jesus Christ. We thank God for his mercy. How many of you are thanking him for his mercy? He doesn't give you what you deserve, and then he gives you peace in the midst of circumstances that we have. And then he continues to love on us. And the Bible says it's preserved. We're preserved in him. And that's a safeguard. We're, we're safe in his arms, and I just thank God for the relationship. It's a celebration right there because Jude is writing you a letter. You got a dilemma. You got situations. You got temptations. People are trying to take you out of the faith and lead you away, but you are called of God. Not only that, but you are servant. You're sanctified, and you are safeguarded. That's some good news right there. As children of God, we are not only called of God, children of God must contend for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I like that particular verse, verse 3 through 4. He says, I'm not writing you at the tail end of verse number 3. He says, I found it necessary to write to you to exhort you to contend earnestly for the faith that has once and for all been delivered to the saints of God. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one Gospel. And there's only one Christ. There's only one Savior. There ain't no three or four ways to get to God. He said, you don't just let anybody come in with any kind of doctrine, any kind of teaching. He said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I want to make sure that you contend. Contend is talking. It's a wrestling term. It's a sports term. It's a, uh, you know, we're sports fanatics. We, We got our favorite football team, basketball team. And, uh, you know, baseball team, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody got their favorite. And then the, the nation as a whole, we're really into sports. And they were in the sports uh, in the early days as well, the Olympics and things of that sort. And so what we find here is he uses a wrestling term. He says, you need to fight for what you believe. You need to fight to stay with God. You need to fight, not not just to stay with God, but you need to defend the faith and stand up for what you truly believe. And so therefore it becomes a wrestling match, if you will. And so contend for the, write this down, faith. Contend for the faith, not to have faith, but the faith that we believe, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Write this passage of scripture down for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Just write that down. I'm only going to read verses 3 and 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also receive, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And that he was buried and that he rose again according to the scripture. I don't know about you, but that's some good news for a first Sunday morning. I say that's good news. He rose again. Death could not hold him down. That's why we sing that, not because it's a beautiful song. We sing it because it's true. And then we have to live a life. If he, death can't hold him down, it's not going to hold the 94-year-old mother down. It's not going to hold my daddy down. It's not going to hold any of those that you have lost to death. It's not going to hold them down because Jesus got up. We're going to get up. That's some good news. You have to contend for that and you have to hold on to that. Contend for your faith. Not only that, contend against those who act like Christians, but their lifestyle is contrary. They act like they saved. Uh, They have a form of godliness, but but denying the power thereof. Yeah, it's going to get quiet right here. You got to be careful about uh, who you sit next to. I believe that we're pretty safe in this environment, but ladies and gentlemen, there are some who come and they ain't looking for Jesus. They come and they're looking for how they could uh, come in and, and, and disrupt what God has, has already ordained to transpire. And he talked about condemnation. He says these folk, they, they godless men, godless women, they slide into the church. They begin to corrupt and contaminate, amen, and they've already been marked out the Bible said, for condemnation. They've already been marked out from the foundation of the world. I didn't make it up. It's right here. It's right there in the particular text, ungodly men to turn the grace of God. I thank God for his grace. How many of you thank God for his grace? Listen, his grace not only is our unmerited favor that while we were yet sinners, he died for us, but his grace comes with power. Hallelujah, I thank God I couldn't preach without God's grace and his power. I couldn't live right without God's grace and his power and his Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God. Amen, I couldn't do it without it. And a lot of people fake it, you can fake it, but you're not going to make it. You got to understand there are people who act like Christians, but their lifestyle is different. They drop, they have standards that are low. You can do almost anything you want and go to heaven anyhow. How many of you know that God has high standards? This was written in the first century, right about uh, between 40 and 80 A.D. And this was written probably, the scholars say, about 60 A.D. But it doesn't matter when it was written because people are the same, aren't they? It doesn't matter if you got a house church, a big church, a mega church, a little church, a medium-sized church. Foolishness goes on because people will slide in with different intents and purposes. Don't act like a Christian and not be one. Choose where you're going to go. Choose how you contend for the faith. Stand up for that which is right. Then it says contend for those, uh, contend. Contend those who reject the grace, reject, all right? Uh, Something's wrong with my sentence right there. But anyway, uh, who reject the grace of God and deny Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We want to make sure that there, there are some that will reject Jesus. Amen. You don't want to marry him. You want a boyfriend with him. You don't want to house with them. They're rejecting Jesus. It's one thing to be a friend or an associate of certain people, but you really can't. When they're denying Jesus, rejecting him, it's going to be some rejection coming up in their lifestyle. And they're going to seduce you to go that way as well. So he's saying here in this particular text, there are trying times in our society and even in our world, but don't you fall for it. You contend for your faith, Watch out for those who act like they say, but, but not really." Then he says, uh, "Watch out for those who uh, reject the grace of God and deny Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm almost finished." The children of God must constantly maintain our life uh, with God. It is in verse 20 20 to 22, and he says, but you, but you. Look at your neighbor and say, but you. (laughs) I don't care what everybody else is doing, but but you. He said, I'm talking to you. He said, I want to make sure that you're living right. I don't care what everybody else is doing out there. Vicki, it didn't matter what everybody else was doing out there in the world. When you come to the Bailey house, you do what we say. Come on, somebody. Come on, Cheryl. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. We can do everything out there. But when you come to daddy's house, you're going to do it his way. Right? We don't play that up in here. I don't care what you learn from the kids at the school or what you're getting in society, how everybody's going. We don't do that. That's what God is saying right here. But you... He said, I don't care what they're doing out there. He said, but well, you, you have to maintain that relationship. But build up yourselves in the most holy faith, praying uh in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God, love of uh loving for, uh, looking for, that is, the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. And on some have compassion, make distinction, but others save. With fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by flesh. What is that actually saying? First of all, we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that we have to constantly work to build up our relationship with God. Study to show thyself approved. Don't hit and miss. You should have a devotional time or a prayer time or Bible reading time. Do something. If God is the most important person in your life, it seems like you ought to talk to him more often. Somebody say, man, he said, you need to do that on purpose. Make sure that you have that time that you spend with him and that time that you fellowship and your life ought to be dedicated in that same way. You have to build it up. That goes with Bible study, that goes with prayer, that goes with all those uh, tools that are there. He says, build yourself up in the faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God tells you what to pray for. It tells you who to pray for. It tells you who to call. It tells you how to uh, uh, operate. It puts persons on your mind so that you'll be able to minister to them at the right time and in the right place. I accidentally went by a family's house. I, did, I was going there even from the morning, but I said, I'm going to run errands. I'm going to run errands. I got to take care of some things. I got to take care of some things. Got a busy day. But uh, I dropped through there at a certain time, and when I arrived there, they said, you're right on time. We just got back and everything. I mean, isn't God good like that? I was going to see them, but I had to take care of this and take care of that. When I got there, they were looking for me. When I arrived there, you're right on time. We're working on the program. We're trying to get it right. How many of you know that the Spirit of God is better than you? He's out there in front of you. And we as children of God need to make sure that we build up our relationship with God. Not only that, constantly stay in love Yeah, I don't know. Just stay in love. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever done. If you love somebody, you act like it. How can you say you love God and you can't stand your friend or your brother? Something wrong with that picture. Somebody say amen. And a lot of us want to love God and just ignore and look over individuals. That's not how it's done. That's why he said, but you, he gives us some different standards there. Constantly build up your faith. Stay in love with God. Listen to your favorite music. Take yourself a break. Get yourself a little retreat. Reset. You know God is the best thing that ever happened to you. Don't let life or circumstances or individuals pull you away from him. Hallelujah. He can make them people act right. The people that you're trying to, you're trying to do it on your own strength. God, let God do it. I've, let, I've seen him do so many fights on my behalf. Somebody say amen. Somebody say you should say something. I'm going to wait right here because God is going to fight my battle. How many of you seen God fight your battle? Daniels in the line den should have been ate up a long time ago, but how many of you know that God can shut them out? <laughs> yeah, you ain't hungry right now you ain't eating this This you ain't eating this you got to understand when you when you stay close to God you'll find that He'll watch over you He will keep you. Not only that but constantly work to manifest compassion. Yeah, for others, we we getting to a point now, ladies and gentlemen, where uh, that's their problem. They need to go to the store and get their own stuff. They got a dollar tree. They don't even have a dollar. A lot of them are standing there. We mad when they standing on the island begging us for money. I mean, or you say, I hope you don't fall in front of this car. I hope you do, you know you need to go to a safer place. Somebody say, "Amen." But there are people who are homeless, and when we do this outreach, we need to go under the bridge. Somebody say, "Amen." I ain't scared to go under the bridge. I ain't even a type A personality, but I can. Just, when you, God graces you, you, go in there like you're supposed to be. I told you I did prison ministry. Man had a tattoo on his head, fifty-one fifty. I had him singing and praising God. Fifty-one fifty means crazy. That's a code, a medical code, a code, police code for crazy, right? When they say, "Uh, we got an emergency over here," fifty-one fifty. <laughs> Cars come from everywhere. Come on, somebody. He's in there. He's in my service. I pulled out this old hymn and had him singing. He can ready to do twenty-five to life, and I had him singing. And it's not because I had him singing, but the grace of God. I had to ministry. He said I was in jail. You didn't even come. I was thirsty, you didn't even come. He said, I needed some water. You, he said, when do we lose our compassion? He said, when you haven't done it unto the least of these, my brotherhood. We have to remember what our responsibility, constantly work on your relationship. Uh, we have to build it up. We have to stay uh, in love with God. We have to have compassion. Why you have your compassion, ladies and gentlemen, there's a disclaimer in here. You have to be distinct from the world. You have to be careful. You can't get involved in everything that's going on. You, can't, you need to be led by the Spirit in order to help who he has guided you to help. You can't jump in there because, he said, you can get contaminated yourself. He said, you go out there trying to help them, and they end up changing you. So he said you have to make sure that you stay sanctified, stay separate, your conversation, and make sure that you are led by the Spirit. You don't just drop up in there. You want to go and be prayerful and distinct from the world, your lifestyle. If they come to church, they should see the same person that they met at Walmart that invited them, the same kind person you're trying to be sweet. Don't be a Christmas sweet, be a 365-day sweet. Somebody say, amen, you should be kind 24-7, amen. And when I'm not feeling real kind, I stay in the house, I stay away from people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it ain't nothing. You don't even know when I'm having them time because I ain't coming out. Somebody say, amen, because I ain't feeling it. You know, I had a certain amount of chemistry. I say, no, I ain't feeling it today. I better stay right here and wait for my help to come because I don't want to embarrass God. I thought you was a pastor of the church. It only take one time. I thought you was a deacon. I thought you was a missionary. I thought you was a Sunday school teacher. It only take one time, so we have to make sure that we maintain, be distinct from the world. Not only that, remain discerning. Discerning those that need help, which means that we have to be proud for once again, we can't help everybody be led by the spirit and those whom we help lest we ourselves be contaminated uh, and defiled, as it says, and then remain determined to keep yourself from defilement. And so it seems like they're all the same distinct, discerning and determined, ladies and gentlemen, but they all have their place. Looked in the dictionary the other day and I was I was looking up words because I don't understand a whole lot of stuff. So I go to the dictionary. They usually have a word of a day. Dictionary.com. If you go there, they got a word of the day. But they had something on the on the home page and it said, it said word of the year. I said, word of the year. I said, I gotta hit that one. So I hit that tab. And you know what the word of the year is for 2018? Miss Information. You know the fake news and, and all that stuff? That's the key word for 2018, according to this dictionary misinformation. Misinformation means that you got bad information and you continue to pass it. It ain't really your fault. It's because you didn't check your source. It did because you didn't check where it came from. You didn't consider the source. You just took it and ran with it. And then also there's disinformation. It's separate from misinformation. Disinformation means that I set it up on purpose in order to make folk trip. I want people to fall down, so I send the lie out. Misinformation is what we have to watch out for. The Bible is giving us the way that we should go. And when you study it, when you read, when you pray, when you ask God for guidance and direction, he will teach you and he'll make you. He'll, he'll protect you from that foolishness that's out there. Misinformation, you, if you go to the word of God and you study the word of God, it's not saying a lot of things that, that you can name it and claim it, grab it and have it. It's not saying all that. He's not even concerned about you. He said, when you keep me first, I'll supply your need. He said, I'll make you sure you have something to eat. I'll make sure you have. If you don't get a Cadillac, that, that whatever. He said, we used to ride donkeys or we used to walk. So how you think now I got to make sure that you got a Cadillac or, or, or whatever you think is, is, is the fashion? He's not concerned about, he's concerned about souls, ladies and gentlemen. But he says, and then let me go to my conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, the doxology. Everybody say doxology. Glorious words that follow this. Dangerous dilemma. There's a temptation to go out into the world. There's a temptation uh, to stay with God. You want to make sure that you choose which way you're going to go. And then he says, and when you look at this in this light, it makes it all better. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. And he said, well, what does that have to do with it? Because he's been talking about the problems that are happening in the church. He gives you examples and illustrations all the way down. He says, and at the conclusion, you ought to give God the glory and the praise. He's the one that's going to keep you from stumbling. He's the one that's going to keep you from falling down and getting caught up in foolishness. He's the one. After he had explained it to all them, he said, Now unto him who is able to keep me from falling and present you faultless as if you never did anything. That means that he gives us a recharacterization. You say, well, what does that actually mean? He says, you came in raggedy, but after you, you stayed close to God, he make you look better than you were. He presents you faultless before the great presence of God. And then he's happy about the accomplishment. He was raggedy, but look at him now. He's covered by the blood. I have changed him and I transformed him. He says, if you hold on to God, if you hold on to his unchanging hand, you will find out he will keep you. I said, he'll keep you if you want to be kept. He said, before the presence with exceeding joy. And then he gives you another another celebration talking about he, he expresses the divine nature of God. There are two elements to a doxology. Two elements. One, you aspire greatness to God. And then you express his great nature. Look at how it reads there. And it says, to God our Savior. Who alone, who alone is wise? He's the only wise one that can keep you away from misinformation, disinformation. He's the only one that can keep you. Don't try and live your own life. Let God live his life through you. He said, I want you to be an empty vessel and let me drive from now on. Hallelujah. He said, now unto him, he said, be glory." I said, yeah, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power. I said, glory, <laughs> majesty, dominion, and power. Glory, <laughs> glory to God. Then when we say glory to God, we say hallelujah. We say, thank you, Jesus. We say glory. He's the only one who deserves the glory. He's the only one who's seated in majesty. He's the only one. He's the only one that has dominion over this entire uh, world and the universe and the skies that are known, ain't even unknown. He's at Mars. It took us six months to get to Mars at twelve thousand miles an hour, ladies and gentlemen. But God is already there. He said, "I'm the one that set it up." <laughs> he said, "I'm the one. I know all about it, ladies and gentlemen." He said, "But He's the only one who has glory and majesty, dominion." and power aren't you glad that God has all power hallelujah I thank him for saving me I say I thank him for saving me calling me out of darkness and even into the marvelous light I say I thank him for saving me power to heal power to keep power to restore I thank God for his power but he says all of that doesn't stop today it's both now and it's forever how many of you can say amen to that how many of you could say, Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah for his grace. The doxology reads differently. Ladies and gentlemen, after you go through the, the dilemma, dangerous dilemma, you see the realities of life. The doxology looks better. He said, I know you're going through, but now unto him. <laughs> he said, Keep your eyes, children, on God. Look at your neighbor and say, Keep your eyes on oh God. Whatever you're trying to do, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I don't care how I change. God is the only one that's taking care of us. God is the only one that's keeping. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, present you faultless before his presence with great joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, he saved a blessing, glory, majesty, dominion, and power. Not sometime, but both now. And forever. Let's all stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. Eternal God, our Father, we do love you and thank you so much. For the good words that come even after we struggle through life. For the good words that come to remind us that our focus and our desire ought to be toward you. We thank you, God, that you remind us that you're the only one that can keep us from falling. You're the only one that can keep us out of misinformation and disinformation. You're the only one who has called us as children of God. You're the only one who can help us contend for the faith. You're the only one who has dominion and glory majesty, and power, our focus today is on you. Our dedication is toward you. Pray God now that you bless the people of God. Bless us as we go back into life, as we go back into our challenges, knowing that there's some good news at the end of life. Not only will you redeem us, but you will keep us through the circumstances that we face. No matter what it is that my brothers and sisters might be experiencing on this morning. We know, God, you can heal, you can restore. Anything that's broken, you can repair. If it's crooked, you can straighten it out. Help us to lean and depend on you. In all of our doing, and we give you the glory and the praise, and right now we give you praise for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died, who lived and died, and He rose again on the third day. We celebrate Him, and we remember Him in our communing time. Pray God that you forgive us for all of our sin. Forgive us for all of our misdoings. Pray, God, that you just restore us and grant to us the peace that as we celebrate him in our communion time, our focus will be on him and our focus will be on a thankful heart toward him. Thank you, God, for being who you are. You are the majesty. You are power. You have all dominion. You get all the glory. Now bless the people of God as we enjoy together and we celebrate together our communion time. And it's in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to commune together. We're going to commune.